Section 11 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Matthew by J. C. Ryle Chapter 5, verses 21 to 37 Spirituality of the Law Proved by Three Examples This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 to 37 Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell-fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first to be reconciled to thy brother, and then to come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out of thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old times, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, Hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, Pluck it out, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, And not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Again ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be, Yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. These verses deserve the closest attention of all readers of the Bible. A right understanding of the doctrines they contain lies at the very root of Christianity. The Lord Jesus here explains more fully the meaning of his words, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill. He teaches us that his gospel magnifies the law and exalts its authority. He shows us that the law, as expounded by him, was a far more spiritual and heart-searching rule than most of the Jews supposed. And he proves this by selecting three commandments out of the ten as examples of what he means. He expounds the sixth commandment. Many thought that they kept this part of God's law so long as they did not commit actual murder. The Lord Jesus shows that its requirements go much further than this. 
It condemns all angry and passionate language, and especially when used without a cause. Let us mark this well. We may be perfectly innocent of taking life away, and yet be guilty of breaking the sixth commandment. He expounds the seventh commandment. Many supposed that they kept this part of God's law if they did not actually commit adultery. The Lord Jesus teaches that we may break it in our thoughts, hearts, and imaginations, even when our outward conduct is moral and correct. The God with whom we have to do looks far beyond actions. With him even a glance of the eye may be a sin. He expounds the third commandment. Many fancied that they kept this part of God's law, so long as they did not swear falsely and performed their oaths. The Lord Jesus forbids all vain and light swearing altogether, all swearing by created things, even when God's name is not brought forward, all calling upon God to witness, excepting on the most solemn occasions, is a great sin. Now all this is very instructive. It ought to raise very serious reflections in our minds. It calls us loudly to use great searching of heart. And what does it teach? It teaches us the exceeding holiness of God. He is a most pure and perfect being, who sees faults and imperfections, where man's eyes often see none. He reads our inward motives. He notes our words and thoughts, as well as our actions. He requireth truth in the inward parts. Oh! that men would consider this part of God's character more than they do. There would be no room for pride, and self-righteousness, and carelessness, if only they saw God as He is. It teaches us the exceeding ignorance of man in spiritual things. There are thousands and ten thousands of professing Christians, it may be feared, who know no more of the requirements of God's law than the most ignorant Jews. They know the letter of the Ten Commandments well enough, they fancy, like the young ruler, all these things have I kept from my youth up. They never dream that it is possible to break the sixth and seventh commandments, if they do not break them by outward act or deed. And so they live on satisfied with themselves, and quite content with their little bit of religion. Happy indeed are they who really understand God's law. It teaches us our exceeding need of the Lord Jesus Christ's atoning blood to save us. What man or woman upon earth can ever stand before such a God as this, and plead not guilty? Who is there that has ever grown to years of discretion, and not broken the commandments thousands of times? There is none righteous, no, not one. Without a mighty mediator, we should every one be condemned in the judgment. Ignorance of the real meaning of the law is one plain reason why so many do not value the gospel and content themselves with a little formal Christianity. They do not see the strictness and holiness of God's Ten Commandments. If they did, they would never rest till they were safe in Christ. In the last place, this passage teaches us the exceeding importance of avoiding all occasions of sin. If we really desire to be holy, we must take heed to our ways that we offend not in our tongues. We must be ready to make up quarrels and disagreements, lest they gradually lead on to greater evils. The beginning of strife is like the letting out of water. We must labor to crucify our flesh and mortify our members, to make any sacrifice and endure any bodily inconvenience rather than sin. We must keep our lips as it were with a bridle, and exercise an hourly strictness over our words. 
Let men call us precise, if they will, for so doing. Let them say, if they please, that we are too particular. We need not be moved. We are merely doing as our Lord Jesus Christ bids us, and, if this is the case, we have no cause to be ashamed. End of section 11